implying comfort. Isn't it amazing today that we have the comfort in our hearts and knowing that our departed loved ones are in the presence of the Lord and that they will never be removed from the presence of God again. As we look over the landscape of Harvest Church and through the years we see those influential people that the Lord has called home. Our hearts are often heavy by their absence. But again, what a comfort it is to know that they're with the Son of God. Another piece that we find afforded us in the scriptures is that God has not forgotten those of us who remain. And that he also has promised that we too will share in a life everlasting in the very presence of he himself and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you grateful he's the reason we celebrate this season? All because of Jesus and all the promises afforded us through him and his great sacrifice. I wanted to take a moment to celebrate the Father today. Is that okay? Is it okay to celebrate the goodness of God and His Son for all that they have done? I know that Christmas will be different this year. I know that. As many of us are fully aware that families are forbidden to gather in mass assemblies all because of what COVID-19 has presented. So let me just add that I, I, would, I would that you would be as safe as humanly possible during this great time. But don't allow this to rob us of why we exist. And that's to give the glory and honor to God. That's why we're here. This is why we were created. I want to share um, just a partial verse. And, and in your leisure, I want to encourage you to read the balance of today's text but it comes from Peter the apostle in 1st Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3 we said we wanted to celebrate can we stand in the presence of the Lord today all of us that are able bodied can we stand in the presence of God let me begin by thanking you for being here for braving the elements uh, on, on this uh, rainy Sunday morning to be here to honor God with not only your presence, but with worship in spirit and in truth. Can we continue to pray for many of our church family who are not able to physically gather with us, who have a desire to, but because of complications beyond their human control, they're not able to assemble with us in this place. I've spoken with a few of those individuals this week, and my heart just goes out to them. But thank God today we're here, and thank God we're alive, and thank God that we're in good health as far as we know, and that's enough to give God praise for. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. The word of the Lord reads in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
The key word is living. Many of us focus on the word hope. And we will emphasize that today in a number of ways. But it's not some dead, forsaken hope. It is a living hope. Because Christ was resurrected from the dead. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank God for His everlasting word. As we began the calendar year 2020, we never envisioned the haunting darkness of a global pandemic known as the novel coronavirus or COVID-19. As January 1 rolled around, we never in our deepest thoughts and farthest imagination thought that we would encounter the things that we have. Accompanied by this pandemic has been many racial tensions and unrest throughout the greatest country on the face of the planet. Not to mention in November the psychological effects of our recent presidential election. But after experiencing such darkness that we have in this country in the past 12 months, we can greater understand great leaders like Bishop Desmond Tutu. I don't know how many of you remember Bishop Tutu, but he was a South African cleric in the early 1990s who really, and the late 80s, really put forth an effort in apartheid. He was an anti-apartheid and human rights activist. Now, you want to talk about somebody who walked through a period of darkness, I would say that that would have to be Bishop Desmond Tutu. You would not sit here and think because we live in America that anyone else had ever experienced such uh, racial discrimination, but that's not true because South Africa and Southwest Africa from the 1940s through the early 1990s, they experienced uh, an uh, institutionalized system of segregation. What is that? It's the discrimination of race. Nothing more. That's what it is. But he was an anti-apartheid and a human rights activist who put every ounce of his effort into uh, fighting the fact that people were not treated as equal. Bishop Tutu is still alive today. He's still living. And he, he made a, a, a quote that I would love to use in your presence today, and it goes as stated, Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. That's what hope is. You would say, Pastor, can you give me a, 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 a more a profound definition of the word hope? Well, in the Christian realm of faith, the word hope revolves around the confident expectation of what God has purposed. Amen. And we know what God has purposed for us. And we have held on to that hope for the entire duration of our Christian journeys. You see, worldly hope is based on wishful thinking. Brother Buddy, it's like after we've experienced a period of drought, we would say, I hope it's going to rain tomorrow. Well, in reality, we're injecting doubt because we don't know if it will. We don't know if it won't. But how about in the realms of our faith? In the realms of our faith, we know without a doubt. Somebody say that, without 
a doubt. That God is going to accomplish what he has stated in his word. And he declares that he has begotten us again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God's promises assure us that we too, like Jesus, will overcome the grave. Our hope as Christians is not based on wishful thinking. Hallelujah. Our hope as Christians is based upon a person and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the resurrected living son of God. He's not dead. On the third day morning, they journeyed to the tomb to find that he had risen. And behold, he is alive forevermore. This is how we rise every day to meet the challenges that life presents to us because we are living on a hope. I would like to title today's message, Living on a Hope. I had a meeting with my, my staff on Friday and this time of the year is very hectic and many people are missing work and we are short staffed but the demand is so high and I remembered conversations that my father had with me as a child and how that times would get tough in our way of living but in the end Brother Blue he would always say that it's not going to be this way always because we live on the hope of a better tomorrow. I said to my guys, and I'm living today because I had that hope. My parents couldn't pay for a home what we now pay for an automobile. My father was right. Things are going to get better. And I want to inject this thought into your mind today that it doesn't matter how dark the circumstances are right now. It's going to get better just in a little while. We just need to hold on. To the living hope we have in the resurrected Son of God. Let me inject this worldly hope injects doubt, but not biblical hope. Biblical hope expels doubt. Amen. The Bible has much to say about the word hope. Glory to God. The, the first place we find that really sticks with us is Hebrews 11 and 1. Anybody know what the book of Hebrews chapter 11 is? We call it uh, in biblical circles, we call it the Hero Faith Hall of Fame. That's what we call Hebrews chapter number 11. Because what we discover is that a number of persons, a number of biblical influences who did great things for God, they did so because they had faith. They had faith. What is faith? It's absolute trust in God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. What did we say earlier that hope, the biblical definition of the word hope, means? It means that it's the confident expectation of what God has promised. Praise the Lord. So we have that hope today in the Lord Jesus Christ. This verse alone, it carries with it all the confidence that comes from knowing for sure, without a doubt, uh, with no question that we've been promised. Amen. In the word of God, God is going to deliver. Living on a hope. John 6, 47 Jesus is speaking. 
And he says to his disciples, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has Jesus. Who believes in Jesus here today? Is your hope that because you believe in Jesus, you have everlasting life? In other words, is that your confident expectation? Is that what you know based on what God has stated in his word? That's exactly what comes to life within us. We know this beyond doubt and without question because God has said it and the credibility of God. Amen. These young people love to get on their cell phones today when they're in agreement with something and they put a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. And it goes on and on and on. How many faith today is that in God? That God will 100% deliver on what he's promised. Amen. That's my faith today, that if God said it, it's going to come to pass. Living on a hope. Accepting the gift of eternal life. It means that our hope has its foundation on the whole of God's word. And we all know that God placed more value on his word than he did his name. Oh my, that was a great place to glorify the Lord. Hallelujah. We know that accepting this gift, our hope has its foundation upon the whole of God's word, upon the fullness of God's character, and upon the finished work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in the Old Testament that the Bible tells us that God is not a man, that he should lie, neither the son of man, that he should repent. I'm paraphrasing, but it goes on to say, if I have spoken it, I am able to bring it to pass. That's where my hope is today, Brother Mike, on the living Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. How about those in the Old Testament that for so many years longed for a promised Messiah. Do you know that in the Old Testament, those saints at the close in the book of Malachi, oh my heavens, the world was in complete chaos and turmoil. And scholars and theologians alike tell us that for over 400 years, there was a period of silence. But how many know then came Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And in those uh, books of the Bible, it's revealed to us the gift of God's precious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that God wasn't doing things in the affairs of man in the over 400 years of silence because indeed he was. It's just not recognized in the canonization of our scriptures. I'm sure other books contribute to that reality. I want to talk about the hope of the Old Testament when Simeon meets Jesus. Anybody ever heard of Simeon? This is the only time he's mentioned in the Bible. The only time. Many messianic promises, prophecies rather, foretold of the coming Messiah. Many prophecies. Scholars estimate there were at least hundreds of them that foretold of Jesus' coming. One of the most familiar is Isaiah 9 and 6. That states, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What the Bible tells us about Simeon is that he was a man, amen, who loved God and he lived in Jerusalem around the time that Jesus was born. He had a reputation of being a righteous, devout man. One deeply committed to the things of God. And not just Simeon, but he along with many other fellow Israelites waited on the consolation of Israel. You remember we said earlier in the service today, the word consolation carries with it the idea of comfort. Comfort. So we have to understand the history of the Israelite people. But Simeon knew something without a doubt. What did Simeon know? Simeon knew that in spite of his age that he would see the Messiah before he died. He knew that. He lived with that hope, that confident expectation on the promise of God that he would see the Christ, the Messiah, with his own eyes. The Bible tells us this, Luke 2 and 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What placed Simeon in a position for God to do these things in his life? Well, Simeon, Brother Gerald, he was a man of God. And he studied the scriptures. And he was Counseled, he was controlled, he was conditioned by the Holy Ghost. And this is why he knew without a single doubt that he would see that God had promised. It is without question that Simeon was a man of prayer. Without question. He prayed. And it could only have been revealed to him by his interaction with God, because of the relationship he shared, that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. Do you have a hope like Simeon? If we don't, we need a hope like Simeon. Hallelujah. This man knew the Old Testament prophecies. He prayed. He studied the scriptures. Oh, and he was conditioned. He was counseled. And controlled by the Holy Ghost. So when Mary and Joseph, in faithfulness to the law, visited the temple at Jerusalem to present Jesus unto the Lord. Guess who was there? Simeon. Simeon was present at the temple in Jerusalem when Jesus' parents came to present him to the Lord. What happened? You say, how in the world? This man was on assignment. Can I preach while I'm here? This man was on assignment by divine appointment, hallelujah, to meet the Savior, the Christ child. He was on assignment. 
And the Bible tells us that in Luke chapter number 2 and verse 29 through 32 that he took Jesus up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel how could Simeon have positioned himself to receive this wonderful gift of God by being counseled conditioned controlled by the Holy Spirit by being a man of God who had an effectual prayer life by being a person Glory to God, who knew the Old Testament prophecies. And by being a man of hope, living on the expectation that God would deliver as he promised. Do we need more men like Simeon? Hallelujah. Simeon's words alone assert this, that Jesus would be salvation to the entire world. They also assert that he would deliver truth. But not only to Israel, he would deliver truth to the Gentiles as well. And thirdly, he would bring glory upon all of Israel. Would it be safe to say that Simeon serves as a beacon of faith in an unbelieving world? That Simeon, Brother Steve, amen, had a hope that didn't disappoint? I believe without saying, we could say that Simeon was a man who lived with hope. But Simeon also tells us some other things in Luke 2, 34 through 35. He also tells us some other important things. For after he blessed Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, he looked at Mary, and these are his words. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. But Simeon could now die in peace, couldn't he? Because he had seen the Lord's Christ. What he petitioned God for in faith. He got to hold in his hands. My God, that'll get, some of you will be standing over a stove next week when that gets to you. Some of you will be making a cup of coffee next week when that gets to you. Because what you ask for can be put right into your hand. You're not, you're not listening to what I'm saying. You, 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 listen, you're not, you, listen, you're not tracking with me this morning. You're not tuned in because what God will do if we delight ourselves in him is give us the very desires of our own heart. That's the hope, glory to God, that I live in. Just a few weeks ago, over breakfast one morning, I began to tell my wife about some things that I experienced as a child and growing up, and the tears begin to fall down my face. It's because I realize now the same things my parents said, hallelujah, to God in the process of time they would come to fruition and I'm blessed glory to God better than I can explain today all because I held on to a hope 
I said to my men, tomorrow is going to be better than today. You just hold on. Help is on the way. I wish to God somebody would understand today that just in a little while, this thing's going to be behind us and we're going to be able to give God all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Because we hold on to a living hope. Yeah, but preacher, we preacher people we loved, they died. Yeah, but they're going on to be with the Lord. They're not left here in this chaos like you and I. Hallelujah, somebody. Sometime in a remote way, I even envy them because they believed in their heart that the moment they died, they were immediately in the presence of the Lord. Preacher, you're too young. You don't want to talk about dying. I'll tell you one thing, if we're not here when the rapture takes place, we're going to have to die to see Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. But I held on to that living hope that tomorrow things will be better than today. I told my wife, I remember going to the tire store. Some of y'all too young to know anything about this, but my my father would have to pay $15 for a retread, what we call a, a recap. Oh, hallelujah. And now we can buy eight, nine hundred, a thousand dollar sets of tires at a time. You, you mean to tell me you can't praise him? I can praise him. Hallelujah to God. My daddy trying to raise eight head of children. Oh, glory to God. Working two jobs. Things was hard. But I want to tell you, glory to God. I held on. Even the things would get better. And in the process of time, oh, did they get better? I want to tell you, saints of God, this pandemic has clouded, amen, our vision. It's clouded so many things that we're accustomed to. Amen, it's, it's dark. Our world right now, amen, we, we're just a shadow of the people we used to be. But I want to tell us, if we'll hold on to that living hope, who is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, I'm assured, amen, He's going to deliver what He promised. He's going to deliver. What he's promised. He's done it so many times before. We have his word, a great body of evidence that he is who he says he is and that he will do exactly what he said he would do. My heart goes out to you, especially those of you who have lost loved ones. John, Stephen, you guys lost a, lost a grandbrother. My heart goes out to the families of those individuals we've mentioned before. Brother Ocean, my heart goes out to you. But it's my prayer that you are holding on to a living hope in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I can assure us, as his word has declared, if they fixed it with him, we're going to see him again one day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't, don't, don't ask me to understand it. I'm not the renowned expert when it comes to the Word of God. I've just got sense enough to believe what it says. We're going to see them again one day. We need more Simeons. Simeon told Mary some will believe, others won't because of your son. Simeon told Mary, your son is going to create a lot of opposition. Oh, yeah. It's going to cut you to the point that it's as if something pierces through your own heart because of the things your son will suffer. It's going to hurt. But he said your son's going to reveal the truth. Amen. Your son's going to make the truth known. 
Amen. And thank God for those of us who did believe. Thank God for those of us who did trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Some people tell me it's been months since they've seen anybody saved at their church. I said, man, I said, man, I want to thank God that people are still getting saved. What are you talking about? People getting saved at our drive-in services. What are you talking about? People getting saved at home, coming back to church, reporting to me, hallelujah to God. We didn't have to be in an assembly, a mass gathering. We didn't have to be under the, under the closed doors of a sanctuary. Amen. I called on the name of the Lord, trusted in his precious word, and received the glorious gift of of salvation. That's all it takes. I wasn't in church when I got saved. I just knew how to call on Jesus. And that's all it took. Hallelujah. Thank the, God, thank the God of my salvation that I had the presence of mind to call on the name of the Lord. Heard Brother Steve testify about how that God Tracked him down. You don't believe God will track you. He's the greatest tracker in the world. Grizzly Adams ain't got nothing on God. God will track you down. Sister Abby told me she got saved in a club. I was teasing her one evening. I said, you can tell you ain't a clubber. You ain't got an ounce of rhythm. She said, preacher, I stayed in the club. Matter of fact, preacher, I got saved in a club. Conviction fell on my heart and I got saved in a club. Who does that but God? Nobody but the Lord. If there was a hope in the Old Testament, indeed there's a hope in the New Testament. And the hope of the New Testament is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our hope. It's a living hope. And Peter opened the text that we read in your hearing today by doing what? Praising God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter opened that text by praising God for his son. The wonderful thing about God is nothing escapes him. He knows what we need, Sister Dana, even before we ask. But the privilege piece is, is that we've been granted access now through Jesus Christ, and a priest doesn't have to take our petition to God. We can pray. Help me, saints of God. We can pray. So God knew that man needed a Savior. Why did man need a Savior? Because sin had separated man from God. God and sin can't cohabitate. No, sir. Won't happen. That's why he cannot occupy an unclean dwelling. Our hearts have to be prepared to receive Jesus. And once we do, we can't live any kind of way. We have to live lives that meet the standard of his word. Here's something that here's something that'll really um, 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 startle today's generation. We have never been more technologically advanced than we are right now. And because of that, people would say, there have never been any smarter people that live than there are living right now. You think that's true? I don't think that's true. I think they've been smarter people that lived before now. That's why we have all these inventions. That's why we have all these modern technologies and, 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 and amenities and all these wonderful things. You got rain-sensitive windshield wipers. 
You don't even have to turn the wiper on yourself. Hello, somebody. Uh, let me tell you what those things are doing. They're making us lazier and lazier. Really? I did a research paper in college and it said, is, is the internet making us stupid? And without a doubt, I said, yes. Yes, because we are not doing a body of research to present our findings. We're just Googling. How about that, saints of God? Would you agree? Oh, it's all about access. It's all about how fat. We're not happy with 3G. We got to have 5G. You understand? But the truth of the matter is this, our dear friends. We couldn't save ourselves. Oh, God. No wonder God saw that man needed a Savior. Because this generation would say, I got this. I can fix this. I got this all by myself. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't care how intelligent you are. Somebody said one of the most famous television personalities of this time said there are many ways to God. I said they better not invite me on that show. They better not invite me on that show. Because I would unfold the pages of the word of the living God that says I am the door. Hallelujah. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to my Father except through me. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, without reservation, I would say there may be many roads that lead us to Jesus, but there's only one person that grants access to God, and that is His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. He saved us when we couldn't save ourselves. Oh, Lord. I've heard men say, I can handle this on my own. I've got this. But I heard Charles Johnson when he said, Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Anybody hear what I'm saying today? Our soul's dependency should be upon the Lord. Paul said in the New Testament, in Him we live and move and have our being. Jesus Christ, He's the hope of the New Testament. You see, to be reconciled to God required a sacrifice, but not just any sacrifice. It took a perfect, unblemished, spotless sacrifice to cover the sin of the world.
Do you know him today? Do you know him today? His name is Jesus. If you don't know him, he stands with outstretched arms. Because here's what we need to understand. Don't you ever let the devil or anyone else devalue who you are. Because who, who you are is important and you need to know this. I said a few weeks ago that many people have received diagnosis and studies have proven that over time the diagnosis becomes their identity. Brother Steve, I want you to know that amen, my name's not cancer. Hallelujah. Can I say amen, somebody? My name is not sugar diabetes. My name is not hypertension or high blood pressure. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? I am a child of God, and I know that I am, and he knows me by my name. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody raise your hand and glorify God today? You are significant in the sight of God. You are important to him. Your life is of great value. He has a tremendous work assigned to you if you'll trust him. If you'll trust him. Isaiah 43 and 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. People walk around all the time with low self-esteem and sink into depression and this because certain parts of their body is not perfect and uh, their hair uh, doesn't look like someone else's and uh, oh my God I could go on and on and on and on but he tells us amen in the Old Testament you are fearfully David said you are fearfully and wonderfully made you are unique in the creation of God and what you need to understand is there's not another one like you 7.5 billion people on the face of the planet and brother Greg you're the only one of your kind you're the only one nobody else's fingerprint matches yours you are great in the sight of the Lord and that's why he knew we needed a savior we're created for God's glory so it's a lesson. We're created for fellowship with God. And not temporarily, but forever. We're created. But sin damaged our relationship with God. Because of sin, we no longer conformed to His plan of fellowship and glory. But how many glad He didn't throw the clay away? How many glad that when the vessel didn't turn out like we thought that God didn't throw it on a pile of refuse but he picked it up and he put it back on the wheel and he began to shape and he began to mold and he began to conform it unto his image. And listen, I, 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 got some, I got some real alarming news for you. They might not nobody else in the world like you, but as long as you and God like you, that's all that matters. Can I get an amen to somebody? I want to tell you that God loves you just the way you are. Just the way you are. Now everybody's excited about gifts. Can I, can I have that gift? If... if you know, you bring out a gift, all these ladies' eyes get big. Is that mine? They think, that, they, they think this is for me. You know, 
we see these under a tree, they're wrapped in all that eye-catching paper and ribbons and bows. But does anybody know what a gift is? Now, I'm not asking you to guess what's in the box. I'm asking you, do you know what a gift is? Can I tell you what the word gift means? The word gift means something given willfully without payment. Some people have to finance what they bought other people for Christmas. No, you didn't just say that. Yes, I did. All because people want to impress other people. But what did God do? What did God do? Was he looking for anything in exchange? And, and, and did he give just anything that came to mind? I remember the first ring that I gave Sister Linda, I wrapped a brick up and I put it in a box. For real. She'll testify to this. And I wrapped that, I wrapped that box up in another box. And then I wrapped that box up in another box. And boy, she shook that thing for dear life trying to find out what it was. And I had the ring in my pocket the whole time. Pastor, why'd you say, why'd you say that God didn't present his son <laughs> wrapped in the prettiest package? Come on, y'all. God, God, God. You see, this, this looks appealing, don't it, Brother Jerry? This looks, if I pass this around, everybody says, boy, what, what's in there? I don't hear anything shaking. I mean, I'd like to know, though. The only way you're going to know is to open it up. That's the only way you're going to open. That's the only way you're going to know what the gift is to open it up. You say, Pastor, what are you driving home? Open up your heart and receive the greatest gift. Come on today. Hallelujah. Open, open. Open, open up your heart today and receive the greatest gift that God has ever extended to mankind. And that was His Son. You see, like Peter, you and I both should be praising God for the glorious gift of His Son. He didn't come, hallelujah, to God like many expected. He didn't come in, in royalty. He didn't come draped in the finest clothes. But He came, hallelujah, to the Lamb of God as a baby in a manger, in a stable, in Bethlehem. And He came, thank God, to take up residence in our heart today that we might call him Emmanuel, God who is with us. Won't you unwrap the greatest gift ever given to man? Listen what Ephesians 2 and 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you ought to get this. You ought to get this the next time the devil try to make you think you're nobody. The devil try to make you think you'll never amount to nothing. The devil try to make you think you're the black sheep of the family. I could go on and on and on and on. There's all kind of monikers and cliches and all kind of phrases that people love to attach to other people and put labels on them. But I'll tell you who God sees when he looks at me. He sees a son. He looks at you sisters and he sees a daughter. Hallelujah to God. Are you listening, Are you listening to me today? Listen, saints of God. Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 13, but now in Christ Jesus, 
Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Uh, we were once aliens. We were once strangers. But thank God, we are now children of God. Children of God. You see, we got to understand that the Apostle Peter in today's text, he links our new birth, our salvation with the idea of a living hope, not wishful thinking. Amen. Being saved and not something that you can have doubt about. Being saved and in a relationship with God is something that you have to have an affirmation about. It's something you've got to know beyond a reasonable doubt. So when the enemy comes at you, you understand the ground that you are standing on. And it's not sinking sand. It's the solid rock of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Peter connects those dots. He was encouraging Christians who were suffering persecution at the time of his writings in Asia Minor. But another gentleman, he picks it up to a group of believers in a city called Corinth, and his name was Paul. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 16 through 18, I'm not offering the readers of the Word of God comfort like Peter did, but I'm offering the readers of the present day, amen, comfort like Paul did. And Paul said, Therefore, we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day he said for our light affliction somebody say light affliction he said our light affliction it is but for a moment and then he tells us it is working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. For while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You better grasp this. For the things which are seen are temporary. Wow! Hallelujah! Thank God! Hallelujah! He said the things we see, they are temporary. But the things we cannot see, glory to the Lamb of God, they are eternal. I wish I had some help in this place today. I want to offer you some encouragement in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop looking at the world around you. Look beyond this world to the world that is yet to come and the place that God has prepared for us who love Him. your circumstance get your eyes off your surroundings don't let COVID-19 cause you to lose faith in Jesus yeah 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 Paul said huh, yeah in him we live and move it's in him we have our being Holy Ghost, help me. Hallelujah, just a few more moments. I want to tell you, 
Amen. I can sympathize with Bishop Desmond Tutu. I walked through some dark times myself. I told my wife I remember kindergarten and the first grade when schools were segregated. and uh, We only went to school with our own people. But I want to tell you in the process of time that God brought it all together. You don't want to hear what I'm saying today. I looked forward to a, amen, a time when God would see only one people when he looked down on the human race. I want to tell you this morning, thank the living God for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, who opened the door and made a way. That's right. One people. One race. The human race. No longer Jews and Gentiles. All God made was one people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All God made was one. And then in John chapter 17, before Jesus leaves us, he prays the prayer that asked the Father to make them one as we are one. Are you with me, saints of God? So in the kingdom work, there are no little lies and, and big U's. Peter goes on to tell his readers that we have an inheritance. Anybody know what an inheritance is? Some of y'all say, ain't that, something you, ain't that something your dead parents leave you? Inheritance. You don't get that mixed up with an allowance now. I, I, I done told my children, I'm spending y'all. Help me. I told my children I had to get mine the hard way. You're going to have to learn to get yours too. Praise the Lord. But an inheritance is something that's left to us. And if you'll, if you'll continue reading in the text we offered today, you'll find out something real interesting. And what is that? You'll find out that Peter says, Brother Fuquay, that God has given us an inheritance that is age-proof. Y'all get that? He is leaving us an inheritance that is death-proof. Yeah. And God has called us to an inheritance that is sin-proof. Can y'all give the Lord glory in this house today? The Bible said it's reserved for us. It's reserved for us. What do I have to do? To be a part of that inheritance. Trust God for salvation through Jesus Christ. And place on the priority list of your life living on a hope. Living on a hope. I want to close by saying this. Nothing can undermine nothing can undermine the, the certainty of our future inheritance with God. 